everybody, and welcome to Spoofed, all things about customer experience and contact centers. This is your host. I'm Jeff Kerchick, the VP of Enterprise Sales at Nextcaller, leading the way on call center authentication and fraud protection. Today, we're joined by Jordan Tellman from DISH. Jordan is a senior business operations manager. Um, I've got the good pleasure of getting to know Jordan and a lot of the great work that he's been doing over at DISH. Jordan, how are you doing today? Hey, Jeff. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I'm back in the office this week uh, for the first time since uh, this uh, this quarantine situation started. Um, you know, it, it's great to be able to have the opportunity to to really lead from the front. And you know, not not everyone's back. Um, most people aren't. Um, they're still working remote. But we get to try out some of the uh, processes and um, you know ways of mitigating uh, the spread of of COVID uh, in our workplace, which is a really neat opportunity. Um, and I really appreciate the um, the flexibility that we've been able to have as we as we go through this and uh, try to figure out how to live in a you know post COVID world. Yeah, you know, along along those lines, I noticed you had posted a pretty adorable photo on LinkedIn of you and your kids working from home, and it was uh, take your kids to work day, I think at Dish or something like that, and you were riffing off that with a photo. I'd be curious to learn a little bit about um, how you adapted to life at home when you were you were working from home and you know, what, what helped you stay sane. Well, the long and short of it is that I have an amazing wife. Um, so Adrian and I have been married for about 15 years and she is so good with the kids. Um, and, you know, we've been blessed that she can uh, stay at home. And so this transition for us, um, moving to home, we had a lot, a, a lot of flexibility there. Um, she was able to really focus on the kids' schooling um, and, and coming up with creative uh, activities for the kids to do. And um, also just where we live, being out in the country and having having some land, uh, you know, the kids can go out, could go outside or they can go outside. And, um, you know, she's really good at planning those activities and being mindful of, you know, some of what would be on my calendar for the day. And, um, but it was nice. Um, one of the things I, I love the most, um, working from home is, you know, you, you got those tough calls, you got those, uh, um, those things you got to work from and you start getting a little bit of that midday burnout and being able to go out and, you know, kiss your wife, hug your kids. Um, and then just jump right back into it. That was, uh, an awesome opportunity. And I really appreciated that. That's great. And I guess, you know, just in the interest of getting folks familiar with you, um, maybe you could tell folks a little bit about your background, what you were doing prior to working at dish, how you ended up there and what you do there today. Absolutely. So I took the straightest trajectory I could find to get into telecom, uh, and it started with uh, me working in engineering. I was an AutoCAD operator, and I did plant layout management and small part design on uh, Katia and Unigraphics. And um, so I started in the automotive industry and actually used that to uh, pay my way through college. Um after college, I worked in Christian ministry. I was an associate pastor for a few years, uh, director of youth and young adult ministry. Um, went back to college at uh, Western Michigan and was starting a degree program in counseling psychology. Um, and while I was doing that, I worked in a youth treatment facility for eight to 12 year old uh, minors who, uh, not quite a 
a lockdown facility, like a juvenile facility, but also not a, an outpatient facility. So they, they were in there and, uh, you know, we would lock up at night and, um, but just more of a therapeutic setting. Um, we, uh, my wife and I decided as we, I was going through that graduate program in psychology that it wasn't really the best fit for me long-term. Uh, so I pivoted, joined the military, um, you know, obviously having a college degree started, um, at, you know, going that officer route and decided, no, I'm going to do 20 years in the military and, and I'll, I'll have time to be an officer. And so I resigned my commission and, and worked in, uh, army aviation, um, uh, as a, uh, as a operations specialist, um, 15 Papa, um, and was stationed up at Fort Drum in New York uh, with the 10th Mountain um, and got to deploy with them, which was a, a, a really neat experience and, and one that I was glad to have. Uh, unfortunately, uh, blew out my knee on my first deployment. So my 20-year plan in the for the military uh, took a little diversion. Um, so I got out, um, didn't know where, uh, where we were going to live, where we, what we wanted to do. So we had talked about in the long term retiring out to, uh, Colorado and, and the Denver area. So we just picked up and moved out. I had a month of, uh, terminal leave saved up. So a month of basically paid leave from the military. So we moved out here and uh, I took the first job I could find, which was writing training manuals in the petrochemical industry. Um, so I, I did that for a couple of years. Uh, ended up back in Afghanistan um, doing some uh, uh, contractor support for our operations there, um, which you know got a little got me a little bit of taste of uh, how how things work um, you know outside of the military and 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 a lot of um, some of the cool technology that's really out there um, at the at the time my wife was working at dish and had a great experience and um, we had been matched with our first kid um, we, we we adopt as a family we've got uh, three that are home right now and we're working on our fourth adoption um, but I was deployed during that first adoption process and uh, really decided I was kind of done, you know, getting shot at and and putting myself in harm's way and and ready to just spend some time at home. Uh, so when I got back from that deployment, I interviewed at Dish um, just because she had had such a great experience, and I started as a uh, as a product owner um, of email and text messaging, and really just grew my career from there. Um, took on a chat and virtual agent. Um, took that all the way from a from a, an RFP process to find a new vendor to implementing that, um, implementing our first um, virtual agent uh, experience for our customers, which was a really neat opportunity to do that. Um, then took on the IVR. Uh, we had a really, we, ha we have a great DTMF IVR um, and got to learn more about that. Um, took on call routing. And then uh, that was about the time Jeff, you and I met and uh, Got to learn a little bit about, you know, uh, call verification and anti-verification. And uh, most recently, about six months ago, I transitioned into our data solutions and user acceptance testing team. And, and that's the group that I'm leading now. So, like I said, straightest shot into telecom. That's, yeah, sounds like a pretty cool background, a pretty... Uh pretty interesting stuff in there. And you wound up at a very cool place. Um, it feels to me like the culture at Dish is something that people rave about, um, even in the times where I've had the pleasure of uh, visiting Dish. You've, you guys have a 
probably the best greeter in the entire planet, a guy named Jerry who welcomes everybody in the most enthusiastic way, really sets the tone for what your culture is probably like. Um, I'm wondering if you're willing to chat a little bit about that culture and what excites you about uh, being a team member there. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, for me personally, one of the best things I love about DISH is opportunity. Um, There is always opportunity um, if you're if you're willing to seek it out, whether that's lateral moves, promotions, taking on, uh, you know, work in different departments. Um, you know, there, we provide a lot of opportunity and we do that through the culture, um, right? We, our vision is changing the way the world communicates. That's what we want to do. And our mission is to connect people and things. Um, and so as we think about how we do that, um, we've got, you know, our, 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 CPAW that we call it. It's curiosity, pride, adventure, and winning. And in everything that we do, um, we really want to be exemplifying those things and and not just doing them for ourselves, but almost uh, kind of creating that atmosphere that draws people in. We should be so extremely curious about everything, whether that's, you know, what we've done for you know, 20, 30, 40 years uh, with satellites or and in television, or, or if it's taking on new, new challenges, um, pride, you know, making sure that we do it with the best, the best way that we can, um, you know, adventure, again, it goes very hand in hand with the, the other two. And then winning, we want to do it better than everyone else. Like we want to win for our customers, we want to win for our employees. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, Jerry being our uh, chief officer of First Impressions lives all of those things. And uh, he is definitely an awesome, 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 wonderful guy. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some other things that we've got. We've got our core principles, like, uh, you know, we've got rules that we kind of carry around with us on our badges, which is great of, you know, know your business, be prepared. You know, every meeting you walk in, are you, are you holding yourself to that standard? Do you do things right the first time, you know, thinking long-term and spending money like it's your own, uh, taking responsibility, but then ultimately putting the customer first, thinking customer first. And, uh, you know, we, we challenge each other day in and day out and, uh, we hire for, for that level of energy that it takes to, to really exemplify all of those things. And, and so you've got a lot of passionate people that work here at dish and, and they're passionate for our customers. They're passionate about our customers, um, and they're passionate about the service and the products that we offer. An awesome, awesome, wonderful answer, uh, and an in, I guess an inside joke for us. But um, you know, one of the things I wanted to follow up on in your culture is that it feels like a lot of what you do is very data driven. You guys have won JD Power awards for uh, you know multiple times for for your work, and you can't do that without being a data driven business. Would love to learn from you a little bit about. Um, how you guys use data to improve and what you do. Um, Really, anything that could help anyone out there who's listening, I realize you might not be able to get too specific and give away all of your your best-kept secrets, but maybe at a high level, if you could talk a little bit about how data drives the decisions that you guys make and um, how how you think about that procedurally. Absolutely. Um, Look, if, you know, Every company that I've worked for, every industry that I've worked for, um, you know, the challenge isn't a lack of data, right? It's, it's how do I make the data talk to each other, and and how do I slice that data in the right way, and and what is your lens that you're looking at your data through? And, you know, for me personally, it's all about it goes back to that think customer, 
right? Are, am I putting the customer first, even as I approach the data? Um, you know, from a calls perspective, right? When, uh, you know, I think about myself as a, as a consumer, if I'm calling, you know, let's say my bank and I'm navigating through their IVR, I can hang up because I got the answer I needed, or I can hang up because I'm really frustrated with the, the service that I, or the experience that I had in their IVR or with their agent. Um, and that from a data perspective, that looks exactly the same. And so you've got to start, you've got to stitch your data together to make a journey. And, and that starts with, you know, really understanding the paths that people could go through. You know, am I making a payment just because it's my normal time of the, the billing cycle to be making a payment? Am I making a payment, be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, differently this month because I'm calling in for a trouble call and trying to get uh, something uh, technically going on with my products that isn't working the right way? And now I'm also, while I'm doing that, I'm also trying to make a payment. Um, those look different and those say different things. So you really just need to keep asking better questions as you slice your data in, in a lot of different ways and don't settle for those easy answers, right? Um, if, if all you care about is they hung up at this node, are, are you actually answering the questions that you're asking or are you, is that just the easy thing to measure and then we kind of stop with easy um, or do we challenge ourselves to be better? Um, and that, I think that's just so important, especially with what's going on in the world right now. We really got to care about our customers and show that level of compassion and, um, and understanding. Yeah, something you said there caught my ear because I've noticed in working with you that while you are data driven, that there are, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, is that it's not necessarily just about um, it's not a numbers game for you all the time. That, In other words, there is kind of like a guiding philosophy behind everything that you do. And uh, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about what are those guiding philosophies? Like what are the mantras that your leadership team um, are preaching to you to help execute philosophically? Yeah, I think um... – you know, as as we go back to those six rules that I talked about early, you know, know your business, be prepared. Um, that's where it starts. Doing things right, um, doing them right the first time, thinking not just how how to solve this problem quickly, but how to do it in a way that's going to pay long term dividends. Um, how do we spend our money? Um, how do and do I take responsibility for everything that I do? Um, do I take responsibility uh, for the experience of my customers? And then thinking customer, when you put those all together, you kind of see that there's this blend of, of the data and the person. Um, and, you know, our, our, our customers aren't just numbers, right? They're people. They have needs. And, and we seek to really understand that, um, which, you know, I, it, that drives so well with just how I'm wired too. I love numbers. Uh, I think it, numbers help us evaluate if we're even asking the right questions, but the questions tell us what we think about our customers, our employees, our competition, all of those things. And so really challenging um, ourselves to ask the right questions and then use the data to uh, tell us if that's the right, if that's the right question to be asking or not. That makes sense. Yeah. And one of the, I guess as a follow-up question to that, um, one of the reasons that you guys have been so successful in winning 
JD Power Awards is because of your focus on the entire journey to improve the customer experience. And we've talked a bit in the past about how a single interaction may be rated positively or negatively, but that a person's impression of your brand is based on everything. So kind of like the aggregate of the interactions that they have with you from the emails and phone calls to conversations with the individual that might be installing their, their dish. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you develop that philosophy? I guess it probably stems from a lot of what you just mentioned. So apologies if some of it is a little redundant, but would love to, to hear from you about how you develop that philosophy, how you put it into practice, and then what you're doing to track and assess uh, all the different parts of such a complex ecosystem where experience is measured so so differently. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll speak probably more personally than uh, about the company on this one, just because I think it is such a personal question and I love the question. So thank you for asking that. Um, I think one of the things that uh, for me has been that has been helpful is um, you know, really being a voracious reader and, and a lifelong student. You really got to look outside of even your industry um, and see what the exemplars out there are doing. Uh, and something that you talked about is it's not just the 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 single interaction, but it's, you said the, the, the total of your interactions. And I, and I do want to clarify it's um, it's not an average, it's, it's a product, right? So if I, if I'm getting a 90% at three different touch points, I don't have an average of a 90%. So I'm not giving an A minus experience. It's, it's, mul- uh, it's the multiplication. It's the product of those things, uh, which would be a 72%, which means I'm getting a C minus. Um, and, and when you hold yourself to that standard uh, and you start to look at those customer journeys in that way, of it's not just what is the average score, or what's my best score, or what's the difference between my best and my, my worst, but it's, it's holding yourself to uh, a standard of, of near perfection, um, and and the data that you have to get uh, in order to do that is data from your customers, which means you've got to be listening. Listen to your data, listen to your customers through surveys, bring them in, talk to them face-to-face, listen to your uh, agents and technicians that are talking directly to your customers day in and day out. Listen to not just um, what your data shows, um, but listen to the data of other departments. Um, Listen to industry metrics. And yeah, JD Power is a part of that, right? So all of those things become data points um, and, and really challenge you to step outside of your knowledge Um, because when you're in it you're like well it's not that bad but then somebody who you know maybe doesn't navigate a touchtone IVR um, frequently they get lost and it's easy to be like oh that well that's an outlier Um, but are they really Um, are they hitting zero and trying to just go to your agents because they just want to talk to a person or are they hitting zero because you're giving them a bad experience in your IVR those are two very different things and and the only way you're going to differentiate between that is to listen um, and, you know, talk to, you know, I, I love where I live out in the country. I get to I get to talk to a lot of people that are, are different than the the area that I work in. And so I, I get a variety of opinions. And, and I think that's um, that's that's a key differentiator and something that I've tried to really internalize personally um, as I've done different roles uh, here at DISH. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and it's uh, it's good that I haven't been calling dish because I'm I'm one of the zero people, so I'm like your worst nightmare. But um, uh, that's 
pretty pretty cool stuff. And um, I guess just I, I I have to ask because this is on everybody's mind right now is about uh, COVID. You know, we talked a little bit about how you personally were dealing with it at home, and it, you know, obviously it, it's nice to hear that. Uh, you know, uh, you were getting by and, and, uh, was, you know, it sounds like you're back in the office now. Um, but I'd love to hear about to the extent that you're able to share, of course, um, you know, what has the impact been for your call center? What have you had to do differently to manage what's going on in the world? Um, you know, how have you managed the move to remote work if it's been necessary for you? Um, how do you see the operation evolving, uh, based on, the very real possibility that this might continue for a while. Um, and, you know, I think this is something that a lot of the people that we talk to are thinking about. It's topical for a lot of people is to plan for this. And unfortunately you can't plan for these types of events. So I, I realize a lot of it probably changes on the fly, but would love to learn what dish is doing in regards to um, adjusting to this new way of life. Uh, if you can share that. Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things that allowed us to be successful is that we had been playing around with and 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 testing out uh, work at home agents. So it wasn't that we were completely blindsided. We we had done this in the past um, and and had a dedicated group of agents that were doing this, and um, so we we knew a little bit of what we were getting into. Obviously, um, when you don't just have you know, one company, you've got entire countries moving to work, working remotely. Um, that obviously puts a strain on infrastructure that goes beyond, you know, your company's ability to control. Um, and so those, that, that was an uh, interesting challenge, um, right? I don't think any company had a global pandemic playbook. Um, and, you know, my hope is that anybody listening and any company that's gone through this is putting something to, like that together. Um, what are our, you know, worst case playbooks and, um, and doing what you can uh, to mitigate those up front or to prepare for those or be ready to pivot if you need to pivot. And, and you know, hopefully it never comes to something of, of this scale or this magnitude again. But at least then if you have your worst case scenario planned out, you can always scale that back. Um, as far as long term, um, from an employee standpoint, I mean, we've talked publicly about how we have uh, been able to move the work uh, work to home for the majority of our agents. Um, long term, we're going to have to evaluate what that looks like. Um, you know, it, look, COVID is, it, it's a complex thing, right? There's a lot of different uh, moving pieces. There's, you know, local municipalities, there's states, there's federal guidelines, restrictions. Um, and, you know, like any other company, we're going to be following those pretty closely and, and uh, evaluating and reevaluating as we go on. Uh, but for our customers, I think one of the uh, the interesting things is having a background in psychology is just really understanding this this peace of mind, and it flows from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, physiological is the absolutely absolute foundational need. Um, and then safety is just above that. And then something like uh, a pandemic hits and it attacks those two. Um, and so, you know, anybody going through that is going to feel um, a little off, right? You're not going to have that that comfort that maybe you had before. Um, and, and then, you know, you've got, you've got these these big needs and, you know, health concerns, food concerns, those fall under that physiological, um, 
category and job security and financial stability, those, those are safety needs. Um, and then right above both of those, that third level is social belonging. And I think it's so interesting um, that call centers and especially call centers around like things that are perceived or, or, or to be utility, right? Uh, part of your day in and day out needs. Um, they kind of help meet all of those things, right? You know, I've got, I've got health concerns. Um, am I going to be able to stay home and, and address those? I've got job security concerns. You know, what can, what can I do to, you know, right size my bill or like what, what's available for me um, from that price value perspective as I'm going through this and then connecting this, you know, wanting to talk to a person. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's a big deal. And, and I think DISH is no different than any other call center that's out there. And you, you got to deal with this fact that people don't, feel like they have their needs being met um, and, and they don't feel safe. And, you know, so you've got to do, you've got to approach that with compassion. Um, compassion being, you know, feeling for not feeling with somebody. Um, and I, and I, I use that word specifically. Um, there's an, there's an analogy um, that I've seen in a lot of different places. Um, uh, the boulder analogy, right? Um, I can, I can empathize with somebody who's got a boulder on their chest by trying to feel that pain myself, but it's better for that person if I show compassion, right? If I feel for them and it, um, and I can then, because I know what they're going through, I can take that boulder off of them. And so compassion tells you, when do you, hand, when do you add handle time up front to a call to prevent transfers um, and handle time on the back end of a call? When do you add a little bit of friction to provide um, a better experience and, and better safety for that uh, customer with relationship to their data and verification? Um, but then compassion will also tell you when you've gone too far. No, that's really fascinating. It sounds to me really what you're saying is you 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 guys are taking just as, as much as you can a human approach to your service. You're you know you're you're leveling with the people that you are interacting with and taking a human approach. And the uh, the analogy you gave me just now it actually reminds me of um, a friend of mine is a he, he fights in the UFC, so he's fighting at the highest level of. Um, you know, professional mixed martial arts and, uh, not to get too deep here on our little podcast, but he's a former drug addict. And I remember he had posted something about, you know, people that were, you know, sometimes you're in the hole as a proverbial hole and people might come to the hole and empathize with you or, uh, kind of like what you were saying a moment ago, but it really takes someone to get in the hole with you to help get you out, you know? And I, that kind of reminded me of that with the Boulder analogy. Um, you know, if you had told me that Maslow's hierarchy of needs was going to be dropped on the podcast, I would have been uh, pleasantly surprised. Somewhere, Andrew Yang is out there, and uh, maybe, hopefully, he'll be listening to the podcast. Who knows? But um, that's really cool. I, I guess moving along from the the COVID uh, discussion, and I think the very human approach that Dish is taking towards um, being understanding, really, of what the customer need is. And maybe this is the answer, you know, I, I don't know. But what are you most proud of in your work at DISH? Is it kind of like the approach that you're taking today or is it something else? Um, I'm sure you're proud of a lot of things. But what, what is uh, if, you had to, if you had to isolate a single thing that you've done while at DISH, what are you most proud of? Look, I think as a 
company, what I'm most proud of is just the uh, the level of excellence that we hold ourselves to, right? You know, we expect ourselves to work harder, work smarter than anyone else. We expect ourselves to be more disciplined and and uh, get together and practice what we do. Um, and then, you know, to have absolute and total commitment to the cause. Um, and, and it, you know, this this mentality of three out of four isn't going to cut it. Uh, you've got to have all of it. You've got to be all in. Um, and when you do that, it's it's amazing the things that you can accomplish. Um, you know, I I've had the personal, um, you know, opportunity to work on, you know, several RFP processes, implementing new technology. You know, I've got a I've got an undergrad degree in biblical literature and languages. I've gotten, but if you told me 15 years ago that I'd be working with some amazing people in, you know, call verification technology, artificial intelligence technology, those types of things, I would have called you crazy. Uh, but it, it's, DISH brings people together um, who have these values and this way of, of looking at work and this way of looking at the world. Um, and they teach the skills that you need, right? Um, and that's just such a unique culture in my experience um, that we we elevate each other um, and drive each other to be the best. So I get really excited about that. Um, you know, we, we fight for our customers in every single meeting. We prioritize our customers in everything that we do. We want the best products. We want the best programming. We want the best prices, best agents, technicians, self-service tools. We want all of this for our customers. It's just in our DNA. That's awesome. I guess I have to close with a kind of a wacky question. Um, but what is the craziest day you've ever had and you know even like strangest string of phone calls or something that you you know that, that you can touch on and your time at dish i'm sure you've experienced a lot of uh you know some days are better than others and i'm sure some stick out more than others but what's like the craziest day or like the craziest um you know phone call or something like that that you can you know that you can talk about yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into a specific phone call. You never know if, you know, there's a there's a caller out there that may or a listener out there that may have called in and was like, hey, is he talking about me? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But um, I, I will say one of the neat things um, that I've had the opportunity to do and all corporate employees do is what we call base camp. Uh, you spend a week doing sales um, and working with sales agents um, on sales calls. And, you know, they don't let us actually sell in there, but we got to, to hijack and listen in. Um, and then we actually did get to take uh, a shift full of uh, customer service calls after about two weeks of training um, there. And then you spend the, the fourth week learning how to build dishes and going out and installing them. Um, and so it may not be the craziest thing, but it it's just amazing that in every phone call, in every customer interaction, this overlapping or common experience that leads to these feelings of what a small world it is. Uh, that's something that's, that's a really cool thing. You know, I didn't realize how many other Detroit Lion fans there were in the world until I came to work at Dish. I always thought I was, you know, one of five. Um, and so I really have appreciated that. Um, and it's, it's been a really cool thing. Speaking of the Lions, you guys have uh, like what the Patriots defensive coordinator and you took a bunch of our players. So I'm a little, a little worried that your defense might be uh you know, you guys took our entire defense, so I'm a little upset about that. 
Yeah, we are, we may actually be uh, have a chance here this year. So I'm 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 like I am every year. I'm cautiously optimistic, and I truly believe that if uh, a football game was only three quarters long, Detroit Lions would have the winningest record in football. I, I think that actually last last year that was like that was true or something. It was like something. There's some crazy statistic at least at least for some period of time through the season. They I think they were winning like every game through the third quarter, but they had a losing record. It was pretty crazy. So you might be right about that. Um, I guess Jordan, any any last words? I guess maybe if there's like one thing, like one last word. Um, if there's something that you were to Let's say there's like a younger version of you or someone aspiring to be like you out there wants to get into this field, create a better customer experience over the phone. Like what's the one piece of advice you would give them here as a, as a closing thought? Absolutely. Uh, it's the same advice that I love to give people on my team. Uh, you know, do not be afraid of failure. Um, any success that I have come has been built on failure uh, and, and it didn't come without it. Right. We fail. And when you fail, fail fast and move on. Learn, but learn from it and bring that with you as a as a positive experience, not as something to kind of tie around your neck and hold you down. Awesome. Love it. As a guy who uh, failed a little bit in his wrestling career, I can I can uh, I can attest to that. I think that's great advice. Um, Jordan, I want to thank you again. Jordan Tellman from Dish. Thank you so much for your time. Um, it was a awesome, awesome, wonderful podcast. Great having you. And thank you all for listening in. We'll see you next time on Spoofed. 